transfer it over. Again, I think there may be some more outlines out in the uh, foyer area. We're talking about uh, what we call America, apostasy, mystery, Babylon. We're going to get to all of those things. Where's America and Bible prophecy? We started talking a little bit about that. I told you that America's uh, future, prophetic future, I genuinely believe is tied to uh, America's relationship to Israel. Uh, and uh, because of what the scripture says, those who bless you, I will bless. And uh, so that's why I think it's important. Uh, you know, you might say it this way, that we keep our star hitched to Israel's wagon. Uh, that doesn't mean Israel is above reproach. It doesn't mean that they get a pass, as we said, about uh, who their Messiah is. There will be a great move of God in the nation of Israel uh, in the final days where they'll uh, come uh, many uh, scholars believe there will be a 144,000 Jewish converts who will be like uh, kind of uh, someone said like uh, uh, Billy Grahams and they'll be taking the gospel to their own people uh, and others as well. But before all of that happens, there are some climactic events that will happen that have and will have uh, an effect upon America and other nations in the world. There is a war coming. And uh, on your outline last week, we talked about the formation of this northern coalition and then how they will eventually uh, invade. So if you've got your Bibles open, I want to read to you some verses out of Ezekiel 38, beginning with verse 1. Keep your Bibles open because we're going to get back and go back and forth in this. It says this, the word of the Lord came to me, that is Ezekiel, son of man, set your face toward Gog. Now, uh, Gog is most certainly the ruler of this nation called Magog, all right? So Gog would be the head of the emperor or the president or whatever of this nation. So set your face toward Gog of the land of Magog, the chief prince of Meshach and Tubal, and prophesy against him and say, Thus says the Lord God, Behold, I am against you, O Gog, chief prince of Meshach and Tubal, and I will uh, turn you about and put hooks in your jaws, and I will bring you out and all your army and horses and horsemen and all of them clothed in full armor and a great host, all of them with buckler and shield, wielding swords, Persia. Now look at this. This is part of the coalition. Persia, Cush, and Put are with them, and all of them with shield and helmet. Gomer and all his hordes, Beth to, uh, to Garma, uh, from the uttermost parts of the north, with all his hordes and many peoples are with you. Now, this is the coalition. I talked to you about the formation last week of the northern coalition. This is a coalition. I'll translate a little bit in just a minute about who those are um, the modern day counterparts. Uh, of these partic uh, this particular uh, coalition, at least what most uh, uh, prophecy scholars believe. Uh, but this is the formation, and here's what's happening in these first few verses in Ezekiel 38. God tells Ezekiel to prophesy the future of this coalition. And as you'll see as we go on in this chapter and the next chapter, uh, he says, you're going to go to this coalition. You'll go down from the north. You will attack the nation of Israel. You'll see an opportunity that you believe for you to conquer them. But in reality, it's all a setup. And because God is going to 
come down on behalf of Israel like he has on many different occasions. So this prophecy right here is a prophecy that sounds at first, when you first read these verses, you think, oh, well, it sounds like God is for uh, this leader, Gog and Magog. It sounds like God is for them, and he's sending them down against his people. Uh, but God is really setting them up for uh, a catastrophic failure, you might say. Now, um, I told you last week that Russia, um, you know, in the last uh, decade has made a peace treaty with Iran. And um, that's highly unusual because th they have been bitter enemies uh, through the ages. In fact, many prophetic skeptics questioned the Bible in the past because it taught that Russia and Iran would form this coalition. And uh, it had never happened in the past 2,500 years. So some scholars said this delegitimizes the Bible because that has never happened. And in particular, uh, all you saw was hostilities between us. So Many, many people said there's no way that this can be Russia and Iran. But guess what has happened in the last decade? Russia and Iran have formed this, um, this partnership. Um, now, they are the primary uh, players in this coalition. Uh, the, what we would call former Soviet Union and uh, modern-day Iran. Now, who is modern-day Iran in this passage? It's Persia. So when you see him talking about Persia, remember the names have changed through the ages. So when the writers are writing, they're writing about the nations as they are known at that time, right? And so uh, Iran is Persia. It's modern-day Iran. Cush is modern-day Africa. Put is modern-day um, Libya, Algeria, Tunisia. Gomer is modern-day Turkey, and some would add Germany or parts of Germany. And Beth Tagarma uh, is also a portion of what we today refer to as Turkey or Armenia or the Stanzas. You know what I'm talking about when I say the Stanzas. All right, now, uh, so these will all come together and form a coalition, and that coalition will come down from the, it says, the uttermost parts of the north being led by, by Russia. You know, in the past several years, Russia has been engaged in establishing a military base and a presence in Syria. In fact, uh, a few years back, Vladimir Putin was interviewed on 60 Minutes, and he admitted that his real intentions in moving into Syria are to support the Assad regime, not to fight ISIS. See, Putin and them said, oh, we're going down into Syria so we can mount a defense against ISIS like the rest of the world is trying to do. But Putin admitted, that's not really what we're doing. We're going down there because Assad has sold out to the Russians, and so we're going down there to keep him in power because remember what I told you last week, that at some point in time, Russia wants to invade Israel. They're looking for a reason, and they want to be in proximity in the region. Syria is the logical place uh, for them to stage that from. Nick Butler summed it up like this. He says, Russia's economy is teetering. 
Gas and oil are the primary revenue streams for Russia. And, and guess what? The, um, the, the low price of oil has just about bankrupted the Soviet, uh, the Soviet, that tells you how old I am, the Russian economy. Uh, and when you see these prices where they are, uh, it, it is causing the Russian economy to be teetering on the uh, complete collapse and the lowering prices of oil. And by the way, Israel just discovered massive oil reserves right off of their coast. I mean, not oil reserves. Uh, they, they believe those are there too. But uh, gas reserves, massive gas reserves. I mean, huge gas that makes them a dominant player uh, in that world, the gas pipeline and getting uh, gas throughout Europe. Uh, uh, Russia has been probably the primary distributor of natural gas throughout Europe. And now you've got the potential player of Israel being able to do that uh, uh, as, as well. And so with the, uh, 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 Nick Butler says that with the prices of oil well below $50 uh, and, the share, uh, and Russia's share of the European energy market declining, the economy's in trouble. And th listen to what he says. The situation is so dangerous because the problems can't easily be corrected. And the risk is that the economic problems in Russia could lead to political instability uh, all around its borders. Um, and so half of their uh, uh, government budget is funded through uh, gas revenues. So as a result of the fall in prices of oil, um, their economy is predicted to continue to decline by 3.5% a year um, because of the, the decline in the amount of revenue they're bringing in from oil. You say, okay, great, thanks for the lesson on oil and gas and all of that. But here's what you have to understand. The more desperate they get, the more they'll have to begin to strategize what can we do. And there are some who say this, what's going on, is enough to push Russia and Putin to take drastic measures um, to protect their economy. And so that points to this eventual war that the Bible talks about that will occur with Russia at the head, Iran as their kind of co-partner. I just read an article this morning. Interesting, you know, I told you uh, that... Um, uh, Iran has uh, privately been, had their nuclear industry funded by Russia. Russia's the one that went in and showed them how to build the um, uh, nuclear uh, energy plants. At least that's what they were calling them. And uh, just back in July, do you remember uh, one of those plants blew up and, and uh, uh, wiped out all their enriching equipment? They believe it was sabotage, and it's quite likely it was. But they have now restored all that equipment, and with higher-grade um, centrifuges, a series of centrifuges are used to enrich uranium and make it take it up to what they call weapons-grade or nuclear yellow cake kind of enrichment that they use in nuclear weapons. And I read an article just this morning where the International Atomic Energy Group, I can't think of the acronym for them right now, 
released a report last week saying they now know that Iran has reinstituted, since the election, has reinstituted the aggressive enrichment of uranium. Well, what does that tell you, people? Um, that they're saying, now's our opportunity, let's seize the opportunity uh, to uh, uh, get the kind of uranium we need for an atomic weapon. And there are many pundits who feel, and in particularly in Israel, that if they get nuclear weapons, they will use them. So let me go to something else. So this peace accord that has begun in the Middle East, uh, you've heard about United Arab Emirates and a couple of other um, uh, Arab nations have, have signed on. Uh, the current presidential administration has said it is possible, I don't know if it'll stay that way if this election, uh, depending on how it ends up playing out, but, but a couple of, of uh, analysts have said um, they expect as many as 22 foreign nations to sign on, uh, in particular in the Middle Eastern region, to sign on to this peace treaty with Israel. Do you know why it is? All so they can have an adequate defense against Iran. Iran is the renegade in the Middle East. They are the bullies of the Middle East. And much of the terrorism that goes on, by the way, is backed actually out of Iran. Uh, and so uh, consequently, um, that's why these coalitions are forming, so there's a, they can mount a defense against uh, Iran if necessary. Well, the Bible says that Iran is going to be a major player along with Russia in coming down in this invasion. All right? All right, keep that in mind. Now, um, they'll use, as I said, all kind of different excuses for doing that. Uh, and so then they will drop down. They, when, the, uh, when the invasion actually happens, it'll look like the biggest mis mismatch in history. Look at verse 9. That's all set up to this war. So look at verse 9. You will advance. This is God's messenger telling or prophesying about this coalition. And it says, you will advance. Coming on like a storm, you will be like a cloud covering the land, you and all your hordes and many peoples with you. And look at verse 10. Thus says the Lord God, on that day thoughts will come into your mind. Wonder where those come from. And you will devise an evil scheme. God will cause them to devise in their minds to come up with these ideas that are evil and say, I will go up against the land of unwalled villages. That's Israel. I will um, fall upon the quiet people who dwell securely, all of them dwelling without walls and having no bars or gates, to seize spoil and carry off plunder, to turn your hand against the waste places that are now inhabited and the people who were gathered... Um, from the nations who have acquired livestock and goods who dwell in the center of the earth, Sheba and Dedan and the merchants of Tarshish and all its leaders will say to you, have you come to seize spoil? Have you assembled your host to carry off plunder, to carry away silver and gold, to take away livestock and goods to seize a great spoil? Okay, did, here's the picture. So this coalition comes together and at the right time they begin to move uh, forward or they're at least threatening uh, Israel, we're coming up against you. Uh, uh, Israel is living it securely. They're living in peace when, uh, just as they are now when this begins to happen. And uh, it is going to look like the greatest mismatch in history. Um, 
And uh, there's no indication that when this invasion occurs that any other nation will come to the aid of Israel. In fact, you notice verse 13 there, it tells us that Sheba and Dedan, which is Saudi Arabia, will question the invasion to appear opposed. And Tarshish, which is the Hebrew word for modern-day Europe, will express concern, but, but there's no indication of help. So Sheba and Dedan and Tarshish. By the way, there is a small slight, some prophecy scholars talk about connection between Tarshish and America. I'll get into that when we move on further down when we talk about America, but there's another prophetic passage that says, and Tarshish and her young uh, eagles. And people say because America was birthed out of Europe, and there was no America, by the way. The continent existed, but there was no America, no nation as such. And so, and some people say, well, the eagles have to refer to America because America is similar to eagles. You've got to stretch it to get there, okay? But we'll talk about that uh, in, the, in the sessions uh, to come. But uh, so no one will, people in that region will question what's going on, but they won't help. There's no indication they help Israel. Israel will be on its own. Now, that isn't the first time it's happened. Does anybody here know any history about that when it happened before? The Six Day War in 1967, uh, it happened uh, where uh, hostile Arab forces. Uh, were surrounded. I mean, lots of the Israel was surrounded by these hostile Arab forces, and um, Israel just destroyed them. And they were so over. Uh, Israel was so overmatched. It's. It is obviously. It was obviously the hand of God. And by the way, at that time, everybody kind of went. How did that happen? Everybody knew that was a God thing. It happened another time. Do y'all know when it happened again? 1973. And in 1973, they called it the Yom Kippur War. And uh, Israel was surrounded by Egypt, Syria, Jordan, Iraq, and a host of smaller nations, including Cuba and Uganda and Russia supported the invasion. They didn't send troops, those didn't, but they supported it financially. Israel scored another victory against all odds. Wiped them out. In fact, they beat them so bad. They beat them so bad, Israel made their way all the way to Cairo, Egypt, and took Cairo. They took the, um, oh, the canal. Help me. Suez Canal. They took the Suez Canal and all the way to Cairo, Egypt. I've been, I've been on a bus one time. I'll never do it again from, from Israel to Cairo. It is one long trip. And, but let me tell you what's interesting. You, you, you still can see if you take that trip, you go through the Sinai Desert, and you can look, and it's desert. Put it this way, before, before you get on the bus to travel. They say, make sure you buy plenty of water because you're going to be on this bus a long time and there is no place to stop. But as you're going across the Sinai Desert, you can look off in, in the distance and you can still see today burnt out tanks and armored vehicles from this 
group of people that went after Israel that are burned out still in the desert. I think it's kind of a monument to what God did on Israel. But you can still see them there if you drive across the Sinai uh, Desert. In fact, Israel, this tiny little group of people, even smaller than they are today, beat, beat this enormous army, and they beat them so bad that the UN had to step in and persuade Israel to stop. You're, you're whipping these people so bad. Y'all stop it. And then had to negotiate with Israel, would y'all give them back Cairo and some of their cities? Would y'all please give them back their, their cities? And Israel, they worked with them, and they did. They, 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 they backed up. But that's how bad it was. Uh, Israel took over the entire Temple Mound. Now, they don't occupy the Temple Mound right now because they negotiated with the UN at the time to let, uh, let the, the, uh, what later became known as the Palestinians, but let them continue to control. If you go to Jerusalem, and Lord willing, we'll be able to take our trip next December. That's what we've rescheduled it to. But if you go there and you go up on that Temple Mound area up there, it's all controlled by uh, Islam and, and uh, Palestinians. It is, you have two of their significant mosques up there. Al-Aqsa Mosque is a lower one, and the, the Dome of the Rock, if you've seen pictures of that, that are up there. You can, well, I guess you can still go in them. They've been more restrictive here in the last few years. But Israel is a divided, I mean, Jerusalem is a divided city. So you have Arab East Jerusalem, and then you have the Jewish-controlled, uh, most of, of uh, Jerusalem is controlled by uh, Jewish authority. But you have certain places and certain holy site areas that are controlled by, um, by uh, Palestinians uh, and, um, and their authority. So there's still that tension there. But in 1973, Israel took the whole thing over. I mean, it, this wasn't just an average victory. This was a super victory. And, and yet they, they were persuaded through UN negotiations and all of that to allow, the, because their mosques were up there, to allow them to, to have back uh, the control of that. Do you have a question, Tyler? Because because the war is going to be far more severe even than those wars. And, and in the, this war, Russia will actually be involved, not just supporting it behind the scenes. They will be physically, they'll be the, one of the major physical players involved. So, But I do think what these wars show us is don't pick a fight with Israel. Uh, because and as as it, it we'll see we won't get to it tonight but as we'll see in the verses uh, subsequent verses that follow God's going to do once again for Israel what He's done in the past and it's going to be uh, it's going to make these other wars pale in comparison. That's how, this is the war you've heard where the blood will be up to the bridles of the horses. They will burn the remains of the enemy's artillery and stuff. It says for seven years. Huh, that's an interesting period of time, isn't it? On the front side of the tribulation, this war takes place. So, um, 
So, but I think these wars serve to remind us that you don't need to be picking on Israel. Israel truly is a miracle nation. They are not a perfect nation. There are some people who believe they're automatically saved. I don't think the Bible teaches that. But it is, there's no question uh, that God has had his hand on that nation. And any time that nation has followed God, they have prospered. And when America has supported them, America prospered. I was reading another article. we got to go. But I, I was reading another article today about the Mayflower Compact. Don't y'all like to sit around reading stuff like that? The Mayflower Compact. And it's just incredible, again, what we already knew um, about uh, how America was formed. They came here to form a new land and by the way, the Bible was the basis long before the Constitution was ever written of the formation of America and the self-governing rules that were necessary to govern this nation. And uh, that it was to be focused for the glory of God. They say it right there in their original documents as they landed at the Plymouth Colony and all that. For the glory of God. And you see, and by the way, it didn't take away hardship. There were a lot of hardship and all that kind of stuff. My point is, they had a, a vision that this land could be a favored land of God. Many called it the new Jerusalem, the new Israel, in, in those, where they could come and freely worship God and glorify God. Well, uh, I, I am a firm believer that... Uh, you want to be on the side of Israel. Now, what scares me is much of the leftism in this country is hostile to Israel. That's why you saw the eruption when uh, uh, our president moved the embassy to Jerusalem. People have asked me, why did they move it to Jerusalem? Because Israel says that's our, real, uh, that's our true capital. The Palestinians say that's our capital. And so that's why there's tension there. And presidents of the past said, we're going to move it there, but they never did it. In fact, the president that initiated that, uh, that we would move our embassy to Jerusalem was Bill Clinton. But he never did it. George Bush uh, said, then we'll do it. And he never did it. Barack Obama said, we'll do it. And he never did it. They all recognized that our embassy, we had already determined that our embassy should be moved there, but nobody did it until this current administration. Um, and so uh, let, me, let me just um, uh, stop there and say, I want to share uh, when we come back. We won't, by the way, we're not meeting next week because of Thanksgiving, so no Wednesday night. If you come here, you can have Bible study by yourself. But the next week we'll come back. And I, I want to just... I want to move from, I want to talk to you about the aftermath, and we'll look at the passage here, the aftermath, how God will intervene and what will happen as a result. And then I'm going to give you seven prophetic biblical reasons uh, for this war, seven reasons that God, uh, uh, that God will cause this war to happen. And so if you don't have an outline sheet and they're still back there, uh, pick you up one because that's what we will look at uh, when we come back in two weeks. All right, do y'all have any questions? I, I rattled off a bunch of stuff there. If you want, look, y'all want some homework? Y'all do like this even if you don't. Okay, so yeah, oh, Pastor, give us some homework. 
read chapters 38 and 39 of Ezekiel, okay? If you haven't, read those chapters. And here's your assignment. In those two chapters, I want you to look for the seven reasons, okay? Seven reasons that God will cause this war uh, to occur. Seven reasons. And I believe this war is the immediate precursor to the tribulation period. Uh, now, I don't know when this war is going to happen, but anybody here not see evidence of a coming war? I mean, you look around. If you can't see this coming together with what Russia's doing, coalition with Iran and, and uh, Syria and Turkey, have y'all noticed how Turkey has begun to move uh, hostile? Turkey was, has always, well, not always, but for decades has not had any relationship with Russia and has been very close to America. I've been to Turkey several times. Uh, not in recent years. Erdogan has really gone way away from where Turkey uh, was and how they were aligned with the U.S. Turkey is now becoming more aligned with Russia than they are with America. You know, we've maintained military bases in Turkey for, for decades. And all of that stuff is very tenuous and starting to change. So, um, so you can see what's coming if you keep your eyes open. Tyler? Uh, I, read, I, I read Wall Street Journal. There's a, it's amazing. If you're, if you're looking, you'll see things that you didn't see before. You'll just think, that's a news article. Uh, I just gave my secretary a stack of things. I said, I need you to index and organize these uh, for me. I've got so much. But I, clip, I, I read the Wall Street Journal. So it's amazing how much stuff. Uh, I read uh, Washington Times. And, uh, but, but, you know, I know what I'm looking for. But I'm not reading for that purpose, you know. But um, and then I I have uh, there's a couple of prophetic websites. I'm trying to think of the name, um, prophecy in the news or something like that, Tyler. That you can get online, and they do a real good job of highlighting things, you know, that are going on around the world right now. They do a real. That's all they do, and so they. I wish I could. I think it's Prophecy News today or Prophecy News, something like that. And one site is very good about pulling out the events, the current events uh, going on around the globe that fit perfectly in line with some of these. Like, uh, now, for example, there was a massive, and I guess it's probably still happening, locusts, uh, a move of locusts. Uh, and even the news, uh, the newspaper article that I clipped said, uh, locust swarm of biblical proportions. Is that bad? And it was moving across Africa and moving up. They expected to get into Europe. Probably has already got there by now because this was probably a year ago when I clipped that out. Um, so those kinds, of, those kinds of sites and newspapers, it's just amazing in your everyday news. If you're, if you're familiar with the storyline you'll start seeing things that you thought, wait, what? wow. Pandemic stuff, people, we're going to talk about that when we finally get to America. <laughs> we're going to talk about pandemic stuff. The Bible's, it's even in this passage we're looking at, talks about 
uh, the effects of pandemic that will occur. And all. Now, I don't think this is that, but this already shows us what a pandemic does in the world. And by the way, by all accounts, I have a Christian history periodical that I got not too long ago that is focused only on historical pandemics. But in pandemic scales, what we're going through, I'm not minimizing it, so don't walk out here and say that. This is minimal compared to historic pandemics. Now, it may not be by, by the time it's over, and I'm not casting, casting it out to the wind, uh, and I'm not saying don't uh, just take it lightly, but I'm saying there have been pandemics that, that make this one pale comparison. Take it seriously. But my point is, pandemics remind us of what can happen globally. Look at us sitting here tonight. we got a skeleton crowd compared to what we normally have in Bible study. Why? Pandemic. You know? So, man, when, by the time we get through this, you're going to say, man, the Bible is right on. It is right on. Things are happening now that years ago people would have said, that could never happen, just like Russia and Iran. That could never happen. But it did. Think, I mean, it's just amazing. Okay. Uh, sorry, uh, take off on that. But that's some, of the, that's some of the places. There are lots of books. I mean, books, 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 books. In this last day study, <laughs> if you came into my study, I could show you and, and Chuck's back there. He can validate this. I, would sh I could show you sitting off my two stacks of books this tall. And that's not all of them that I've gone through in this last day's uh, study. To, to, and people have done research and those kinds of things. There's a lot of stuff. Some of it's not so good. All right? Some of it, don't swallow everything. But there's, there's a lot of good stuff out there to help you kind of get the feel and, and the picture of this. Okay, any other questions? Magog would represent what we would say the Russian uh, Empire. Uh, Meshach and Tubal would be, they, they believe, probably cities. Uh, there are some scholars who believe Meshach uh, is uh, modern-day Moscow. Um, but uh, uh, Magog would represent um, the uh, most likely Russia. Yeah, you're, yeah, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. This is different, not the same thing. This would be a, a territory, we would say, with that, with that name, a territory or a, a city, uh, something like that. Yeah, good questions. Okay. Is there anybody here tonight, you're not sure if you died, you'd go to heaven and you want to, you'd like to receive Christ as your Savior? Anybody? Anybody here tonight and you say, I have received Christ as my Savior, but uh, I need a good church and I'd like to join Ridgecrest. It's a good church. The pastor's a little nutty, but the church is solid. Anybody? Okay, as you leave tonight, if you have an uh, extra buck or two, if you put it in those offering baskets, all of that that's given uh, on... Uh, Wednesday nights goes to help uh, by benevolence needs, and there's a lot of those right now, as you can imagine. I love you. This Sunday, your gifted part two 
It's message 12, but it's part two. I'm going to talk to you about spiritual gifts again. And then one more where we're going to actually get real specific about spiritual gifts the following week. All right? Look forward to seeing you Sunday. God bless you. You're dismissed.